Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. And it's a show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And what an interesting couple of days this has been for all of us. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you were on anywhere on the planet yesterday and found yourselves actually uh, <laughs> watching the political debates last night, the presidential debates, that was unreal. Surreal was the word to describe that. That was just so crazy. But it's Friday, and I want to talk about a subject that I think you'll find appealing. So I invited a special guest. Her name is McLean Desravines, and she's a filmmaker based in Atlanta who is going to tell us about her film, Smoke. So hang on just a minute while I get her on the phone. Hey, girl, I hope you can hear me. Hey. Hey, I can hear you. Good. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm well. Well, thank you for inviting me. Great. So I I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm a fangirl or anything like that, but <laughs> I came across your, your film, Smoke, and I had to reach out to you because I was just like, what made you decide to do the film? So I thought I'd invite you on to come and tell us your story about what drove you to be interested in that subject and the reasons, you know, what was your point, uh, what was your perspective on portraying it? So tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in film? And uh, you're a professor as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, I've been a professor for over 10 years now. I got started in film about 10 years, I'm sorry, I'm lying, uh, five years ago, um, a little over five years ago. And I did a series about part-time professors and the struggles that they go through. A lot of my films usually are purpose-based where I discuss issues that don't exactly get highlighted in the media enough. So the web-based series is called The Adjuncts. It's on YouTube and also on an app called Thea. It's been down to go through that people don't necessarily know about. Um, I did the film Smoke um, a few years ago. We said we shot it a few years ago. And it ran through festivals. It did very well through the festivals. And we finally released it at the top of the year, end of last year. So it's a little bit about me. And I actually teach English composition, um, composition and creative writing. Wow, you sound like an amazing person. You are an amazing <laughs> person. But what made you choose this film? What made you choose uh, this subject? Well, I will say there's a few things. My older sister, Berkeley, she tagged me on a post on Facebook. And then it was about this guy that recently went to prison for murdering his children. And I'm like reading on this article. I'm like, this is awful. And it blew my mind that when I realized he was already in prison for um, murdering his ex, his pregnant ex. And I said, how, how did he get out of jail? Because I'm, in my mind, I'm like, wait, did he kill two people? Because the baby's considered a life and so is a woman. And I just mm-hmm. didn't understand how he got out of jail in the first place. So being my typical professor self, I went and I did as much research I could on this case and drove me to actually create the film was I was, shocked by the comments the comments were blasting the woman for marrying the guy and I'm just like they were just literally going back and forth about her decisions and 
no one considered the entire story. And I said, no one considered the case because I'm still stuck on how he got out of jail in the first place. Like, that's right. where I'm stuck. And right. I'm like, you guys are worried about why she married him? I'm stuck uh-huh. on how he got out of jail <laughs> in, like, right, right? years. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I watched the film, and I had the same reaction that you did. Uh, because the story happened here in the Detroit area, I think it was about three or four years ago. And yeah, 20, 2016, 2017? Yes. Yeah. 2017. Well, he, he murdered, it was 2016 when he murdered the children, and he went to prison um, in March 2017. Wow. And see, when it first happened here, it, it ran like, at first we were incredulous. Nobody here believes such a thing could have happened. But the surrounding story, the backstory was, how did he get out of jail? Uh, yeah. And so on. So when I watched the film, too, I was, <laughs> I was just as struck. Uh, you pulled me in. That was masterful. You pulled me into the story. Uh, the woman who plays the prosecutor, she is badass. I mean, she literally took it. it I, I, couldn't, I don't believe I couldn't believe that she's not a prosecutor in real life. She was really good. Tell her I said so. <laughs> That's Reese Odom. I'll be glad she'll be happy to hear that. She took the role really seriously, and we talked about um, what we wanted out of that character, um, Natasha Marshall. And I remember I said to her, I was like, you know, I want to make sure the character comes off as passionate and not like an angry black woman, but a very right. passionate attorney. Because the original attorney from the from when I was watching the case was extremely emotional about what was happening with her client and what she had to face and how she had to pretty much defend this family. And it moved me. And when I wrote the film, I wanted to make sure that Reese knew and also um, the audience knew that this is an attorney that didn't just take the case, but she's really fighting for the family. Well, I tell you what, that really communicated, and we got drawn into uh, how the family of the wife, how they felt, and so on. But let me ask you this. Did you did you interview them prior to making the film or after the film? I'll be honest with you. Um, because I knew how fresh it was, I didn't mm-hmm. dare reach out to the family because he just went to prison. We shot the film to the year before the children were murdered. So he went to prison, they said March 2017. Yeah, after he, he went to prison March 17th, then we shot the film that summer. So it was very fresh. And I didn't think it was, you know, right to try to reach out to them that, at that point. So, um, you know, just kind of had been advised to just, you know, let them grieve and, you know, kind of just move forward with the film. Because the message of the film wasn't necessarily look at the couple it was mm-hmm. we need to look at the law and look at how women are not protected. Wow. So if uh, there are a couple of questions that as, as you speak, uh, I want to touch on. And one of them is that I myself, when the story first happened, I thought it was too fresh to reach out to them. At the time I was on syndicated radio here in Detroit. So I kind of left it alone. Uh, the second thing that happened was, I got drawn into this on Facebook because like everybody else, I was reading, scrolling through my Facebook timeline. I finally found time to read it all. And somebody yeah. had tagged her family member in, uh, in a story. And that's when I discovered that your film was actually on Amazon Prime. So I did reach out to one of them to, and ask them to 
if they wanted to participate, not with you on, but at a different time and they haven't answered. And I get that. I totally get that. But the story, though, is still, I think it's been three years. Uh, people grieve at different levels and so on. I'm pretty sure they're still grieving because it's still a loss. But you touched on a point there that I think needs exploring, and it's who protects the black woman? How do you feel about that as a professor and as a, as a woman yourself walking around in the skin that we were born in? Who protects us? Well, I myself have been in an abusive relationship when I looked out, reached out to the police for help. They did not help me. So I understand firsthand how much unprotected we are. I had to deal with someone abusing me, someone stalking me, and being fearful of my life to see if this person is going to find me after they specifically said they were going to find me and they wanted to harm me. And I pretty much had to look out just for myself. So from that standpoint, I know firsthand what it is to have to look out for myself and be fearful, but also try to be strong because who else is going to be out there looking out for me? The police sure weren't. Um, when I realized that Gregory Green was, got out of jail the first time after, 15, after 16 years, I thought the Lacey Peterson story, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. husband murdered her pregnant woman. He's still mm-hmm. in prison. Mm-hmm. Why did they no. let him out? I don't care who fought for him. I don't care who said that he's changed. I don't care. He murdered a pregnant woman right. and he was able to come out. My other concern was, okay, let me look at this from another perspective because this is the professor in me. Let's say mm-hmm. that he really was a saint. Um, what was going on in the prison that he wasn't getting reformed? Because that's what prison mm-hmm. is for. Mm-hmm. Why Why was he able to go to prison, come out, and then still commit something like that? So there's something wrong with our prison system. Nobody is looking out for the people on the outside and on the inside. He should have gotten the proper help to realize there's something going on with him, that there's something that he needs to address, that they, he needed either medication, he needed ex- extreme psychotherapy before he got out of prison because when he got out, he committed such a horrendous crime. So there's two aspects to this. We're not being protected, and had he gotten the help he needed, maybe he could have gotten out of prison and reformed his life and did and became a, a citizen, mm-hmm. you know, a good citizen. But instead, he came out of prison and then did worse. So what's going on with our prison system? And was it because he's a black man and it didn't matter? Who cares what help he got and who cares who he murdered? Because Jesus. if he murdered a white woman, would we have this conversation? We wouldn't be here. He would still be in prison the first time. Wow. That is, a, that, you know, that is such a powerful and profound statement coming from the filmmaker herself on, on, on what she saw and the perspectives that she drew from the story. And I think we need to promote this film as much as possible because the message in it is inherent and applicable today who protects the black woman? Just this morning, my daughter and I were having a conversation, and she said the same thing. She said, who protects the black woman? She said, Malcolm X, over almost 60 years ago, said the black woman is the most unprotected and undervalued member of the American society. That was 60 years ago, and nothing has changed. You're absolutely correct. I thought the same thing. How did he get out of jail? How were the parole board so convinced 
that this little pastor with no name, with no, uh, and I'm not disrespecting him, not at all, but he wasn't a big name pastor. He wasn't influential. How did he convince the parole board that this man had been rehabilitated? And just like you, I said, then what, what, what happens when people go to prison? Is prison just a labor camp? Is prison just somewhere right. where people are gathered up and disposed of and they're not truly uh, rehabilitated? They're not exposed to psychotherapy mechanisms and uh, modalities that enable them to be significantly rehabilitated? Because it's clear. Don't you think, McLean, that it was clear that there was something wrong with the way he thought? He killed them and called the police just like he did the first time. First time he did the exact same thing because it's almost just like he just went back to his old habits. But to me, this was worse. I felt like it was quite calculated the second time around. Mm-hmm. And my, you know, my heart goes out to Faith Green because I, I, I was it, it was hard writing it. It was hard. Mm-hmm. It was a big decision when I wrote it, and I, I think I even cried in the scene. There's a lot that I did not put in because I thought it was just. I was like, we one, we had a budget, a very small one, and two, it was just, it was a lot to write. But the idea of him tying her up and making him watch, watch her, making her watch him kill the children, I thought was just, it's just cool. But to me, that's not like you do a lot of research on the first murder um, yeah. back in '91. The little girls were hiding underneath the bed as he murdered their mother. Oh my so God! I didn't know that. Yeah, this is someone, and we we didn't have time to explore that. Um, this is someone that has deep rooted, disturbing issues. And to me, when he went to prison, he shouldn't have just went there because he was on his best behavior. He had only one, I think, one incident in prison, and then right. he was on his best behavior the whole time. To me, this this is a, a psychotic person, and there's something extremely wrong here. When he went to prison, he should have gotten help there and probably stayed there and I'm pretty sure I put in the movie at the very beginning that he was uncomfortable coming out because I'd imagine someone like that um, perhaps and again it's based on true events it's very much fictionalized um, I'd imagine something like that probably looking at everyone you sure you want me to come out of prison again because what he did the first time is just so it's just shocking it's a lot. It's a lot. And, it, was, um, it was a lot. The other angle to the movie, too, that I think for the black community carries uh, well, uh, great breath is the fact that his mom put up her house for, for sale so that she could pay his uh, legal expenses, knowing that he was guilty. That, to me, was a very poignant uh, point that you wanted the viewer to think about. How do we, as mothers contribute to the psychosis of our sons. What do you think about that? Well, one, again, this, the, the, we did fiction on his movie. Truth is, his mother passed away while he was still in prison the first time, not mm-hmm. the second time he went to prison. But I put that in there specifically because I always wanted to understand how is it that mothers feel? Because his mother, the very first when he committed the first one, was also trying to help him get out of prison. How do mothers feel when their children commit this type of crime? They don't see a criminal. And I think that's something that we do need to also look at in our community is getting our children help. Because you know your son. You know mm-hmm. your son. And you've got to know that your son needed way more help before he committed the first murder, but she didn't. And I think sometimes mothers turn a blind eye to that. Many times when you hear about mass shooters, their mothers are interviewed and they say, well, 
he was always different and, you know, but he's a good boy. And it's just like, he, every, anyone can be a good boy, but your child <laughs> has issues. Why was it not addressed? Why didn't you do mm-hmm. anything about it? And while we don't necessarily see this type of stuff in our community where someone's just being a serial killer, particularly in the African American mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. I believe that more in him, but she chose not. She chose to ignore it for her own reasons. Lord have and mercy. I think, yeah, I know. It's like, you, I, and I get it. My mom used to say when we would watch someone, when, when I would watch a movie with her and then the person committed murder, she said, a mother's always going to defend their child. It doesn't matter what they do. And I, and I sort of understand that, but I put that in the movie specifically because, and the actress will also agree, like he has someone on his side. He's not alone in this. He's aware that of what the, he's aware of the crime he committed, but he's still loved. He still has a family. He still has a side. And not that I'm empathetic about his side or why he committed his crime, but we have to look at the fact that he comes from somewhere. And from the where, where, wherever he came from and the roots of his family, mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge that that exists. Yeah, and that might have been a contributing factor to why he killed his own children. It was something that when I ended the movie, I'm not going to kid you, I watched that movie on Wednesday when I was curled up in bed. And I kid you not, I found myself, McLean, believe it or not, I'm a survivor of abuse myself. And I kid you not, I was curled up in bed, not stretched out like my usual self. You know what I mean? And what I was yeah. doing was internalizing the pain, that faith that, that, that the wife was, was, was viewing because I remember how it felt uh, how, when I was abused. But that is something that I think we need to explore and we need to accept that when our family members do horrible things, and it's something, it's a running theme I've been talking about for years, how the family around an abuser uh, contributes to his abuse. You don't tell the other woman, you don't tell the new girl, you don't tell the girlfriend, the new girl who's going to, you make it sound as if he's not a bad person. There's nothing really wrong with him. It's the society, it's the way he grew up. His father left him. Uh, He didn't get a chance, all sorts of reasons. And I feel like the way you put it forward kind of drew me in a little bit. Because you made me start thinking something I hadn't thought of before, even though I live here in the Detroit area with this story, was where did this guy come from? What was his background like? The film brought that out to me and made me want to think about it. And I am so glad that you did. I want to champion you because this this is a story that I think the Black community is going to be uncomfortable with. We don't like confronting our, our demons. Uh, we won't talk about Ice Cube uh, selling us out, but we are we're not comfortable in confronting that there are parts of ourselves that are that that need to be rehabilitated is a nice word to put it. You see what I mean? And I think I, I I'm going to support you, and I'm going to stand behind you when you put this out there. I want you to put this on on your Facebook page and tag everybody and his mama. And I want you to promote this film, and I am backing you. You know why? Because we need to address this. We can't just, there's too much of it going on where men, whether they go to prison or not, they come back out, and they beat up their women, and they, ki- they kill them. Here in the Detroit area, for the last two years, it's almost been like a, a spree of, of men killing their women. Right. And right. no, but when you talk about it in, in social media and you talk about it in social settings, black men want to jump all over us. 
they, they, you know, they want to jump over all over you and say you're a man hater. No, I love men. No, I'm not a man hater, but this is the problem. And I'm backing you and not just because you're a black woman, but because this is a story that we need to address. Thank you. I can't say I really you. appreciate that. I do appreciate that. I've had some people um, just kind of reach out from a negative perspective and ask me, why would I create something like this? And it's very important to me that people understand why I created the film. Again, it wasn't, I'm not judging Faith Green on whether or not she's in a relationship. I think everyone has been in a relationship that they've regretted, okay? Mm -hmm. I want to be clear about this, that I am concerned about the law and how it protects us as women. Again, it boils down to how to get out of jail in the first place. And I I Mm -hmm. emphasize that in the And I focused on the law specifically in the movie because that was my focal point. My focal point, I could have went another direction. I could have just wrote Mm -hmm. about their relationship. I could have just Mm -hmm. dug real deep and then talked about how they got together and talked Mm -hmm. about his background, talked about her background. No, I didn't focus it on their relationship. I had to discuss it because you can't quite have a movie unless you touch on the relationship. But I really want everyone to understand a big reason. The main reason why I made it was so that we can explore the law. And the laws in this country are supposed to protect us, but they don't. The, the prison system needs to be reformed, not just helping people get out of jail that weren't in there, but helping the people who are in prison, like, you know, violent people, get the help mm-hmm. that they need. It's not a yeah. timeout. It's not yeah. a place that you go to just think about your crimes. It's a place that you go to think about it, but also get help. And we need yes. to enforce that. Yeah. I just want to make Absolutely. that clear. Yes, absolutely. I believe I I support that 100% because this man was crying out for help. He's sitting on the steps calling the police. That is as clear a cry for help as anything else. It's like, oh, my God, does anybody see that I'm a violent man? I killed my own children. I began to do some research, but I stopped. I began looking into what is the psychiatric term and what is the psychological uh, background of someone who kills their young. You know, I, I, and I got, you know, I got scared. I didn't want to go there because it's something that makes me very uncomfortable. Because when I read the first story about how he killed the, the girlfriend, he stabbed her multiple times in her belly. So much so that when the, when the paramedics showed up, it would, her, her pregnant stomach was unrecognizable. You see what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, when That's she was, great. when she went to the, uh, what do you call that? When she went to the morgue? Uh, the people at the morgue had significant issues in, in uh, recognizing the pregnancy. So uh, that to me is someone who is displaying some sort of anger. You know, you kill your yeah. young. He killed the other two children who were toddlers. They were so adorable. Uh, that story touched me. And it's it's one of those things. People don't realize uh, and your your film brought that out. People don't realize how traumatized the black community is when these stories are exposed. Here's what happened. When uh, when the, the story first broke in 2016, you wouldn't believe it. My assistant, who was an intern, she had just graduated high school, so she was at that in-between stage to college. Mm-hmm. She had taken a gap year. And uh, you would not believe. Are you gonna, Are you ready for this? Do you know she went to school with a son? They went to the same high school, graduated the same year. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I can't begin to tell you. When the story first broke, she came to me. I had to hold her hand. And I said, you have to go through the grieving process. The high school had set up counseling 
for the students and so on. So they all went back. Those who had graduated that year with him, they went back and they asked to go wow. and get some counseling. And then I had to counsel her. I'm a, I'm a preacher. I'm a minister. So I had to provide her with spiritual counseling. And she was at that stage. I mean, it was, and then she went to, she said, I can't do the funeral. I said, it's closure. You must try to go, you know, try and see if you can deal with this. And I kid you yeah. not, it affected her. It affected her in a real way. She said, this was someone I went to high school with, that we all knew each other. We all hung out. We all had these fantastic goals about what we're going to do. We are all, and she said, the funny thing is he used to talk about the man. He used to talk about his stepfather and how abusive he was to his mother. And I can't, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So for me, wow. the story was personal. You know, it touched my life in a way, you know how they say stuff happens and within a circle of six, it's possible that, you know, someone who has been affected, well, that's what happened. Yeah. And the story, I'm talking about it because we don't see the trauma that uh, emanates from these kinds of activities and when these incidents happen in our community. I think we need to be awakened to the fact that when one, when a black man hurts his children or hurts his woman, whether it's his mother and so on, you, you're not going to believe this, but a few uh, months ago, early on in the pandemic, another black man killed his mother and his sister. He had been released from jail. He had an arsenal of weapons where they lived. It's clear that he had issues. And just like you're saying, went to jail and they're not getting the help that they need. We need to talk about these stories. I don't know how to get you on CNN, but we need to get you out there. I think we need to get you to the point where you talk about this, because obviously the story uh, is something. I wish I could see the uncut parts of the film. <laughs> I reached out to somebody at the Detroit Trinity Film Festival, but I think mm-hmm. what we want to do is when things calm down and we can go back to the theaters and so on, I think we need to bring yeah. this film to Detroit. I've been trying to get there. I've been trying to get there. There have been a few festivals I submitted to, and they've said no. And the main reason, one of them specifically said that I think the film didn't fit in with their um, the slated film that they had. And basically, I think they just meant they just couldn't screen. They, they were nervous about screening it because of the type of film that it was. And I recognize it is a sad film. I try to make sure it wasn't gruesome. There's no blood in there. You know, you don't mm-hmm. actually physically see a gun. Um, but I understand the concept is pretty deep and it's pretty, it's, it, it can be a tough watch. So this, this, that's you know, not what I'm thinking, thinking though. I'm thinking <laughs> just renting a theater and showing the darn film. I think that's yeah. what, 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 what probably is going to work when things are back to normal next spring after the spring into the summer or next fall or something. I think that's, that's something to plan for. Uh, sometimes that's what you have to do. You're not going to believe this, but are you ready for this? We have a caller. Let's see if he wants to say something. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's see what this person has to say. Morning. Hey there. This is Harriet. Uh, I have McLean on the phone, and she's our guest this morning talking about this film, Smoke. What do you have to say? I know you got something to say. Smoke. What is smoke? You say the song? It's a film about a Detroit oh, area film. Yeah, who killed okay. his children and tortured his wife. So she she watched him killing the children. Well, that's a film which is tantamount to reality. Yeah. It yeah. was reality. It happened. <laughs> it happened, yeah. yes. It, like it happened. 
it happened in uh, Jennings just here last week. It happened in Arkansas when you had two black males uh, went into this black female's home looking for money and drugs. And when she said she didn't have any, they brought her two four-year-old sized boys out and decapitated them right in front of her. I don't understand that. Like, like this, to me, this is sick. This is sick. What? We have walking around not getting the help they need. This did not have to happen. Well, you know the thing, you know, I associate that to human beings. Human beings have done that since human beings appeared on the planet. But let's talk about the political thing. Blacks do not speak out against that like mm. they do if a white person does it. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. what irks me. Mm-hmm. You have black males that kill white police officers, stand over them and pump bullets in them. You don't see the reaction like you do when a white person does something to a black. Look at all the shooters in Chicago. Almost 2,500 in the last 140 days with 380 murders. So that's what bothers me. We know that human beings are human beings all throughout the history of human beings. But in today's time, especially here in the United States, where you see this uh, this bad white person, bad white cop. By the way, in Chicago, there had been no white police shooting during those 2,500 shootings of blacks by blacks. Then they come up with excuses and say, well, blacks shoot blacks, whites shoot whites. Crime is committed by people in ethnic groups. Well, that may be so, but nowhere near the proportions that you see in this one group. And it's not all blacks, because you have elements that prey on blacks that's innocent, that's trying to go about doing their daily business, but they blend in, just like a disguised parasite in your body. So, so, uh, so can I ask you something? So what do you think about this particular story, this film? Is a real? It's not. I hate to say reality, but it's it's real. It's about a black man who went to jail for killing his pregnant girlfriend. She was eight months pregnant when he killed her in 1991. Mm-hmm. And they later, uh, a, co- a a pastor actually advocated for his release from jail. And the, the pastor's daughter ended up marrying this man. She had two prior children, and she had two children with this guy. And then he killed all four of her children. That's it, it's not a, it sounds like a reality show, but it actually did happen right here in the Detroit area. So um, McLean is based in Atlanta. She sees the story trending, and she makes a film about it. I want you to watch the film. It's on Amazon. I think she's done a good job. I she think she she she's done a good job. Yes. Yes. Uh, she she put things job. out there that people people don't know think that happened. They really don't know that happened. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's a good job. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to catch up on the film. Catch up on it because it explores what we're talking about is how prison is failing the black the black community. It just it sounds like they just gather people and put them in a labor camp to go do hard labor, but they're not being rehabilitated and whatever illness, whatever mental illness or psychosis caused them to go into jail the first place they come back out unrehabilitated and are sprung yeah. on unsuspecting members. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you something, Harry. I don't think everybody can be rehabilitated. I really don't. Oh. 
I mean, that's just the odds of human. You know, um, nature is about the survival of the fittest. You see Mm -hmm. that all the time. And Mm -hmm. uh, you see that some people may be predisposed because of some genetics to act in a certain way. We see that with Mm -hmm. diseases. So why come it can't also apply to mental state and also the actions that's uh, carried out by human beings that have these predispositions? Mm. That's an interesting point. Recognize that, then we need to be able to recognize that when they go to prison and not Mm. let them out within under 20 years and say, okay, well, you should be good to go. No, Mm -hmm. if we understand that some people can may not be able to be rehabilitated, then they need to stay in prison because they can't join society. Well, you know, in other societies, Mm -hmm. that may be the case, but here in the United States, you have so many identity groups that's out there lobbying and promoting for people that find themselves in a particular position based on the uh, identity that they take on. And like you say, with prison reform, some people can't be reformed. And here's another thing. When you commit a crime, you're not just committing a crime against the family. You're committing a crime against the state. That's why the state first prosecutes you. Right. Right. So we're ta- we're, 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 we're this is a good conversation. Thank you so much for calling in. I don't want to Thank take you up for having the conversation. Good luck. Yeah, and check out the, the film. The movie. Yes, yes, check out the film. Thank Tell you. everybody Bye-bye. about it. Thanks so much. Uh, McLean, I don't want to keep your time. You're valuable. You're a professor and your time is valuable. And uh, I, I am so, I think I want to watch the film again. I was a little, Wednesday night, I wanted to watch it with my family. And I said, uh, we're going to opt out of this one. This one is too triggering and traumatic. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty. It's but, really and, and my daughter is an attorney, and I'm trying to get her to see it from that perspective, right? And she was like, yeah. uh, wait, mom, maybe on the weekend. But I, I think we want to organize. I, th- I think we need to do this. Maybe uh, later on in the year when it gets cold and everybody's at home, we do a watch party, right? Uh, That'll be great. Yeah, that would be good. Organize something like yeah, that, right? Let's let's try to yeah. do that. And, and uh, I'm happy to do a live Q and A because I know a lot of people have questions. And again, for the people who have reached out to me, if you're going to reach out to me, and I'm open to have a discussion, but you cannot attack me and think I'm going <laughs> to respond to you. Just so we're clear, I respect everyone's opinion. Not everyone's going to love the film and understand that we had a very small budget. We did not have millions of dollars to make the film. And so your feedback is very much welcome. I'm very open to discuss the film and open to the family to discuss the film because I have their back. I have their back completely. Believe me, I'm not out here to expose anyone to to have Gregory Green's back make it seem like, oh, well, he was so innocent. No, I think that Gregory Green should have gotten help before he got out of prison. There's no judgment here from Faith's decision mm-hmm. to support him. There's no mm-hmm. judgment here for her um, having a relationship with him. I just think that there needs to be some serious prison reform. And I also think that we, need to, we do need to protect black women because this is a, a perfect instance to see, again, he was able to get out and commit the crime and then was facing possible parole. His original charges in the case was first-degree murder. Now, there's no, if everyone realizes in the film, it doesn't even take place in Michigan. It's fictionalized. There's no mm-hmm. death penalty in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, in Georgia, right. there is. So I, 
you know, for dramatic purposes, we changed a lot of things. But mm-hmm. I do think something like that, the first time he should have been in prison and stayed there. Again, I go back to Lacey Peterson. They didn't hesitate, threw him in prison, and yep. he's going to stay there for the rest of his life. But right. for some reason, the other woman, you can let her, you can let him out. With, and with, then with, what happened? The same thing. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So. You, it's triggering. It's very triggering. It, it, it awakens a lot of the conversations we're having in criminal justice reform right now and of how our society views and values women of color, particularly black women. And it's up to us. It's going to be us yeah. who changes the narrative and who change the narrative surrounding our existence. It's going to be us because no one is looking out for us. The black men who exist today, they're not speaking up on our behalf. They're not coming forward. Uh, I am going to, you I have just, a I, 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 I do want to be, I do want to be clear about this. Like I'm not saying that black men don't protect us because I do believe there are many black men that do protect us. It's just hmm. some instances that we don't see that. And I do believe that the law, which is supposed to protect us, doesn't. Mm-hmm. I want to be really clear about I want to be okay. able to change the narrative that people do support each other and we do protect each other. It's just not all the time. And the ones that don't need to get help. We, they need to. Yeah, absolutely. We need to, we need to get the story out there because this is, it's going to, just like it has ignited this conversation between us, it is going to ignite other conversations as well. And I, I suspect people come from different places and have different ideas on on how uh, black women ought to be treated and how much more needs to be done. There, there's a lot of conversation in there. There's a lot. Thanks yeah. so much. Uh, I'm going to continue. I'm going to watch it again, try to watch it again this week, and I'll let you know. Uh, okay. Maybe Friday night when I have some uh, brownies or something tonight, maybe. <laughs> I, because, but it is it. The story is mind blowing, and the way in which you presented it, the the way you presented the family, Faith's family, and the way you treated them with kids' gloves and with compassion in presenting, even with Gregory himself, you didn't present him as a monster. You he looked yeah. like a man who needed help and was giving out a silent cry for help, despite That's the horrific exactly. things he did. That was exactly my goal because this yeah. monsters don't real monsters don't exist, but flawed humans are everywhere. So thank I like you that. For I like that. Real monsters yeah. don't exist, but flawed humans are everywhere. I'm even writing that one down. I think that's <laughs> the tagline right there, <laughs> right? Faith, I just want to, yeah. you know, when we talk about even for Faith too, I believe I hope she has moved on with her life, and she is coping well and she's getting any help if she thinks she needs help I, I i trust that her support system is still intact and around her because she needs a lot yeah. of help going forward yeah yeah i agree mm. Thanks and i offer so much. branch support. huh i'm sorry i, I, I offer all the branch of support because um i get it i get it yeah I get it totally. I'm a survivor myself, so I, for a long time there, I felt I felt the same way that my ex-husband had gone into prison, gone into jail for beating me up, but they let him out, and he came back out into the community and was available to hit me again, 
and why I, I had those issues. I had those questions myself. And this is what, 20 years ago, I kept asking those questions. Why does this happen over and over? And now I'm seeing it from a societal perspective that it's the society who doesn't value black women and who yeah. still doesn't value the black body, whether that body is male or female. So they view the black man himself as nothing. So he's not uh, worthy of identifiable treatments. It's crazy. I don't want to think about it today. It's Friday. <laughs> Thanks well, so much. Absolutely. We're going to stay in touch. And uh, okay. this was a powerful story. I salute you. I salute you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So where can we find you? You're on Facebook. Uh, give us your Twitter and Facebook name so people can go look you up. Uh, my Twitter is Yonimac, Y-O-N-I-M-A-C-K, and then um, Mac Direct on Instagram, and of course, Maxine Desravines on Facebook. You can also find my website. Please don't send me messages at www.maclean.com. <laughs> and there's some more information on smoke there, too. So thank you again, everyone. All right. Uh, thanks so much. Tag us so we know what's going on. Thanks so much. I really, really wish you well as you uncover okay. more stories and bring to the black community more stories like this. Absolutely. Well, my friends, the time has come. This was such... This was such a story this morning. I suspect I need self-care after this because this is a powerful story told by a filmmaker who she got to the heart of it. The film is Smoke, and it talks about a black man who went to prison the first time for killing his girlfriend, his pregnant girlfriend, got out of jail, and then remarried and remarried the daughter of the pastor who helped him to get out of jail. He married her, then killed their children and her children. And it makes you, the film touched, the film presented uh, the, the, the person, the gentleman, the black man involved, the man involved. The film presented him with grave compassion, like somebody who's just crying for help and not getting the help that he needs. And, the story is less about the children and their relationship, but more about how the justice system and how the wider society view black blacks in America, view black people when we interact with the justice system. Are they really getting the help that they need when they go to prison? Are people really emerging from prison rehabilitated? So you kind of just throw them back into the community because they're not valuable. And as the filmmaker said, as McLean said, uh, Lacey Peterson's husband is still incarcerated. He never got a chance to come back out because the society is not going to let him come back out and hurt another white woman. We got to change that. And it's up to us to change the narrative surrounding our existence and so on. I like what uh, she said. She said, real monsters don't exist, but flawed human beings are everywhere. So this weekend, I want you to go out and watch that film. It's on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it from the comfort of your home, uh, get your popcorn, or in my case, I'm going to have brownies. <laughs> but watch the film and start a conversation on it. it. It's quite interesting. Thanks so much, everybody. This is Harriet Kemmer with Down to Earth. Thank you for your support. Go look up McLean on Facebook. McLean Desravines is on Facebook. She's on Twitter as Yoni Mac, so look her up. 
Y-O-N-I-M-A-C-K, right? And go to her Instagram and look her up. The film is called Smoke. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed.